0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And good morning, good afternoon. Uh, You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, and uh, here for the next. 30 minutes to talk to you about pets. Let's talk pets here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Firstly, I want to give a shout out to our wonderful producer, Mark Winter. Just had a birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Mark. So um, we're here for you. We're here for your pets. Easy to get a hold of us in the simplest way, which it's not my favorite, is call us 877-385-8882. Better yet, better yet. Come on live, Just just as I just logged on. Pet Life Radio's website and then you go to ask the vets with dr jeff under shows and there's going to be a link where you can join us live google hangouts we get to see you we get to see your pet we get to talk as i say this and i'm going to say it again and again get used to this kind of medicine it's already happening in human side and they're talking about that the telehealth telemedicine i call it teletriage in the veterinary market is going to be huge people want it it's less expensive can often save you trips It'll help you gauge through your emergencies. We're going to talk about this later. What is an emergency? How do you know? How do you tell? So uh, uh, anyway, it's a great opportunity to get used to practicing and, and talking to your veterinarian this way. And I love being the guinea pig. So just uh, give me a call, pet on your lap, in your arms, sitting next to you, whatever the case may be, and ask away And with by having your camera, your phone right there. You can show me that lesion. You can show me that sore. You can show me that eye. You can show me the tooth, whatever it is. And uh, we can talk pets. So in the news, a couple of things that caught my attention. Number one, this is, it was kind of like, it's sad, but it's kind of funny at the same time. In Nevada, in Las Vegas, there is a, it's called the Department of Child and Family Services. You know, you get the impression that that's kind of a real cool place for kids. And I'm sure a lot of safety, right? You're thinking about child and family services. Well, guess what? They have a bunch of rabbits, feral wild rabbits running around the premises and they are leaving deposits on the lawn. And anyway, they're finding salmonella and tularemia. So just think, just think you could be going to the safe haven of the Department of Child and Family Services and worry about, you don't want to touch these rabbits. You don't even want to, you even want to be careful if you're on the grass where they are eliminating because of salmonella and tularemia. So if you happen to be in Nevada and you happen to need the Division of Child and Family Services, make sure to stay away from those wild bunnies. This cute story, remember that we talked about a number of uh, weeks ago, several weeks, probably a couple of months ago, about the bears, the two female bears that were burned in the Los Padres National Forest fires. And researchers and veterinarians, surgeons from the University of California, Davis, went ahead and they actually used tilapia skin bandages, Because apparently, obviously very thin, very lightweight, but very strong tilapia skin, and the bears would leave it alone. Anyway, P.S., and it's always good to have this kind of postscript, that the bears are been, have been followed in the wild, and it's been several months, and they are both doing very well. So that's really, really cool. Another thing, and I like to see that the California's human shelters, like for the homeless shelters, had a pet policy, and they were testing this out to see would it be okay if these homeless residents would be allowed to bring their pets well since december over 100 dogs and eight cats have been going through these homeless shelters with very low incidence of fighting and whatever and not only that there are veterinarians nearby towns and cities that have been doing spays and neuters and giving vaccines so um, it's been quite the success which is really good because as we know when we see these homeless, and I, and, and I see it all the time, they want their handouts, but I, I'll give them pet food when I see them with a the dog. And I have a couple that I actually treat for free. I see them around, and it's the best feeling in the world. And they are so grateful, so thankful that you can care for the pets, because for many of them, that pet is the only thing they have of value. Uh, and I don't mean financial value, I mean uh, physiologic and emotional value. So you, know, you can do uh, just a little from our end, and it means uh, tons for them. You know, it's amazing how appreciative they are. So I'm really thrilled that that program has been working and working very well. So this is interesting. And I want to say, you know, as many of you have been listening to me, you know, I have many pets and two of my many, 11 count, but two are French bulldogs. I'm a Frenchie nut. I see a day doesn't go by. That I don't see at least two or three French bulldogs. And um, I got sort of the reputation because I am a Frenchie doc and I'm a Frenchie owner and we Better yet, a Frenchie parent. That's how I look at it. And so I see tons of them. Anyway, I saw this. The British Veterinary Association has been uh, sort of urging greeting card manufacturers to stop using brachycephalic breeds on their cards because they fear or they think that be that it's going to increase their popularity because they are so cute. And they're worried about promoting the problems that we see in these brachycephalic breeds with the breathing issues, et cetera, et cetera. You know, that that's a tough one because I mean, I see where they're kind of coming from that maybe it is a good idea to, to, it's like this, think about this. Well, it's not really exactly the same, but every time 101 Dalmatians comes out, right? Dalmatians become super popular. I mean, in that movie, they are really, really cute and people get Dalmatians. And then what happens is once you see Dalmatians, they're not all as cute and behave as well as those little puppies and dogs do in the movie. So what happens, they bring them to shelters and shelters and rescue groups will tell you all the time that the number of Dalmatians that they get increases like by truckloads after that movie, whenever it's aired or whether it's re-released or whatever it is. So, so the issue is, what about these brachycephalic breeds? And I'm, I'm sure, I, no offense to some of the other brachycephalic breeds out there, but there's no doubt in my mind, there's not an advertiser on the planet that doesn't use or think in some of their ads, French Bulldogs, they are, they happen to be really cute. So I'm sure they're really talking about, I mean, you know, we have Boston terriers, we have Pugs, we have the seats and losses, Pekinese, Japanese chins. I mean, there are a lot of breeds out there, but the one that you see the most for sure is the Frenchie. And, you know, I see tons of them. And yes, do they have breathing issues? Yes. Have I ever had to put one to sleep because of it? No. Do I do a lot of stenotic nary surgeries and soft palate resections? Yes, Uh, including one of my two Frenchies needed. The other one didn't. But I don't think it's one thing when you get into wanting a breed and you're deciding with your family what breed you want. You see these dogs that are so darn cute and they're just the greatest little things. And you're not going to not get them because you may, may, underline the word may, need to do some surgical correction, which is it's doable. And I mean, with laser, which is what I use, they do phenomenally well. So, uh, I don't know if I would go as far as to say, don't use them on your greeting cards because people are going to want to go and buy one. They're going to want to buy them because it's so darn cute. And they're really, really great dogs. So anyway, just whatever you think I'd be uh, interested to know about that. If you have Frenchies and you, especially, this is a good way to judge this. If you have any of these breeds, French Bulldog, Pugs, Boston Terriers, Japanese Shins, lasses, Shichus, any of those really, you know, there's good, the, even some of the pits that would have push, pushed in faces. Some of the Mastiffs have, you know, short, shorter snouts. Having one maybe having had to treat one of these problems that we see the respiratory issues would you go look, think of the Persian cat look at this the Persian cat I mean we've we man has created the problems with the Persian cat because why they we're breeding I don't mean we because I don't breed any animals but they are being bred for that certain look and that's the goal so the more pushed in we breed for that face, the more breeding difficulties they're going to have. So I don't think the issue of having it on a breeding card is the issue. I think it's the breeders are the issue. Breeders should be responsible. They should know if they have a certain trait that's being bred in and causing problems, they should stop using that male or that female for breeding. Unfortunately, they don't because a lot of people like it. But I want to know how many of you that have some of these animals, if you had to do it over again, would not, would not get one because you had so many hassles with the breeding. So um, that's what I want to hear. You can certainly come and join us online. Let me know what you think. Would you not have gotten this pet again because of your experiences that they were so bad that you didn't want to do it again? That that would be a a great question for you. Now, here's another thing before we go to break, and I want to talk about this because this is serious business. And I usually hear on the show when I'm going to mention names of foods, I'm going to do it or, or names of anything, brands in general. It's going to be on the good side. But you know what? I think it's my responsibility as well to discuss the negatives when they do exist. And we are hearing, I'm sure you've been hearing too, there was a big story done on one of the ABC affiliates in the Northeast about uh, the beginning of the month, actually, about pentobarbital found in our pets' foods. Now, mind you, pentobarbital is used for pretty much one thing nowadays, and that is euthanasia. It is probably one of the more common, popular ingredients that are used, medicines, chemicals, drugs that are used in Euthanasia Solutions. Well, how the heck is it getting into our pet foods? And there have been some incriminating evidence, two brands in particular. There was a story basically what happened uh, around New Year's, a woman with I think four pugs maybe, and she opened a brand new can of Ebinger's food and the dogs got very, very sick. One actually died. They started wobbling around. They couldn't keep their heads up. She rushed them all to the emergency. Clearly, the fact that it all happened after they all ate from the same food, can, something had to be good, which was a, she did save the can, sent it for evaluation analysis, brought the dog that passed away into a clinical a pathology lab for post-mortem tissue testing. And what do you think? Pentabarbital. How did it get into their food? So some other Smucker's brands like, and I'll read them, Gravy Train, Kibbles and Bits, Olroy, which is the, the, um, the Walmart brand made by Smuckers and Skippy Canned Foods all had foods tested for the pentabarbital, especially the gravy train. So they recalled Smuckers recalled all those other brands just to be safe. The only one that was actually where they found it was in the gravy train cans. So where's it coming from? And where it's coming from, very simply, when animals, cause it's the number one agent used for euthanasia and that's dogs, cats, horses, anything. Any animal that is slaughtered, that's going to be used for food or any kind of food product, it is against federal law to destroy those animals with pentobarbital because it gets into the muscle. So then these animals are rendered and even get into bone, even rendering plants where they use the carcass, they break the carcass down. There are traces of pentobarbital in that tissue as well. So against federal law to use anything that they called adulterated foods with uh, into our food chain. But you know what? They do it anyway. It's law, but it's really not being monitored. There's nobody there testing the foods on a regular basis to see where are you getting these carcasses from? Are you getting using carcasses for pet foods that have been euthanized with pentobarbital? No one's there to watch. So what's happening is this stuff is getting into the foods and causing problems. Most of the time, just to be just so you know, the levels are significantly low and not a problem for your pets. But as we heard of this story, sometimes it can be. Also depends on the size of the pet, how much they eat, etc. So you should be really keep an eye on the, on those things right now. You will hear more about this, but just know, just exercise caution. I don't think unless you have food tested, there's no way to know, but they were showing on the, the gravy train how they use only the highest quality food and it t- goes through rigorous testing. Well, somebody messed up on that test, don't you think? Anyway, don't go away. We'll be right back. We're going to talk a little bit about your expectations and etiquette if you are working with or for or you are doing some rescue group work, rescuing animals, working with veterinarians, Is that hits close to home for me. We'll be back after these short We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. I love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. If you've ever shared your home and heart with a charmingly naughty animal who's always up to mischief, you'll fall in love with the Klepto Kitty who stars in Talk to the Paw by Melinda Metz. Talk to the Paw is a funny, heartwarming novel about a single girl, a single guy, and MacGyver, an adorable tabby cat with a not-so-adorable habit of stealing from the neighbors. Talk to the Paw is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Visit kensingtonbooks.com for more info. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here your folks on Pet Life Radios. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And we, um, what I wanted to talk about, and this is kind of sensitive, and it's like, you know, it's one of those things where I don't want to, you know, rag on anybody in particular or any group, but it's something that seems more and more prevalent. And for those of you out there that do rescue work, and I would imagine that a lot of uh, listeners on this show on who like to listen to Pet Life Radio obviously like to get information, like to learn. Hopefully, we can deliver that. But, you know, also there are many, uh, I would sure all of you are animal lovers and many of you have gotten into the world of rescue, as we like to say, often adopt, don't shop. So, you know, one of the things that I've noticed, and this is just as as being a private practitioner in Los Angeles area, and I'm I'm sure this happens elsewhere, that there's a certain etiquette. If you're going to do rescue, I understand people that get into the rescue world have huge hearts and they want to do everything for these animals. And they are obviously many of them are pulling them out of kill shelters, so they don't are, they aren't being euthanized. Many are doing it just because they love a certain breed, so they get involved in breed rescues or a certain type of dog rescues. And you know there are many out there. I, I work with many of them, but I'm noticing that fewer and fewer of my colleagues are wanting to work with shelters, with rescue groups. And it's sort of when I talk to to many of them, it sort of caught my attention as to why is this? I mean. It is really, it's wonderful work. You get to feel great. I remember when I went on that trip to Peru a number of years ago, and it was with a group called Amazon Cares. And what basically what we did were we would go into the jungle, we go into the Amazon, these small towns, we would capture many, many dogs and cats, strays, they're all over the place. They're in horrendous conditions. They look terribly, and they're in awful health. And we would capture them, we would spay, we would neuter, we would vaccinate, we would treat, we would uh, medicate, whatever we can do. Uh, I removed tumors, I sewed up lacerations. I mean, it was, it was great, and all for free. I mean, we, we really wanted to do what's right for these animals. We wanted to try at least to give them a better life, try to educate the locals about the importance of spay-neuter. We worked in conjunction with their local veterinarian, and uh, it was a great program. So, you know, here we are in the United States, the best of the best, and we have, you know, wonderful people out there trying to do the best they can for pets, and yet there seems to be this discord, this this lack of, of cooperation between veterinarian and these rescue groups. And I realize that the problem is, we're it's not like we're coming from different ends of the spectrum. We're not. We love animals as well, clearly, or else we probably would not have gone into this field, work as hard as we do, give the time that we give, and when we compare what we do As far as the difficulty of getting into school, the smarts, if you will, that there are many other things we could be doing that would generate a lot more of an income for us. And yet we choose not to. We choose to do what we love. We have that passion. And from the rescue side, these groups clearly are passionate. But what you have to understand is for those of us that work with rescues and do what we can to help, we couldn't do it unless we also were doing what we do on the regular client coming in day to day that basically the work that we do for them and with them for those pets is helping us fund that which we do for the rescue groups. And I mean, major discounts, free services. I mean, I I never charge clients, the the rescue groups for my exams, office calls, things like that. All the things that we do, the surgeries are discounted. And what allows us to do that is what we do for everybody else, which is, you know, normal fees, normal fee structuring, et cetera, et cetera. Yet, Yet what I find is that many of the rescue groups out there, many of you out there, and I hope I'm not talking to any of you, don't appreciate that which we get in the sense that the rescue groups are coming in, they want service now. I mean, for example, I had a case just, this is why I'm really talking about this today. It just hit me. One of my clients comes in late in the day with two dogs that she did call and said she was going to bring them my for spay. spade, comes in late and wants them spayed today. Well, just so happens- we had a large surgery load, including not one, but two emergency surgeries that we had to do. So in a case like that, what I would typically do is board those animals, at, they either come pick up and bring them back the next day, or I would board them overnight at no charge and do the surgeries the next day. But when this the rescue group gets angry that their pets weren't spayed today because we said that we would do it, for me, that is like saying, are you choking? Are you choking? You, you're getting mad? That we are, we couldn't do it today. We're going to board overnight at no charge. I mean, think about it, guys. So, for those of you, are, I, I'm finding that you are, you're expecting, you're expecting the same full service that we provide for full service customers. And yet it's not happening. You're not going to get it. And you have to understand that in most facilities that are willing to work with you, with rescue groups, that you have to understand that in order for us to continue to do that for you, we need to make sure that you understand that we have to take care, unless it's, of course, it's an emergency situation. I'm not talking about an emergency situation. I'm talking about basic care because you have a schedule or you, you promised this pet to somebody, and, of course, it has to go out spayed or neutered, so it's going to ruin your plan. Well, big deal because if you want to get what's happening is by having that feeling that we, meaning the general practice veterinarian willing to work with the rescue group, owe this to you, because you send us clients because you you recommend us. Yeah, that's great. We love that. Thank you very much. But you have to understand that we can't roll over bend over backwards when we have full paying customers that come in, make regular appointments, we have to handle them first. And so if you are out there understand you got to put the shoe on the other foot. If you want to continue to get that service from the veterinarians that you work with, you have to understand that those veterinarians have an obligation first And foremost to their clients that are paying full service care. And they have to take precedent because if they don't, they will not have the budget to be able to provide the much discounted care for you guys. Now, if you are working with a veterinarian that is not giving you any breaks, that charges you for everything full price, and you are willing to do that because no one else around is willing to give you the breaks and give you the discounts, then by all means, then yes, then you deserve the same. Now you're a full-paying client, even though it's for a rescue group, and then you do deserve the same type of service that you're going to get otherwise. But I figured that it, it just got to me because I can't imagine that I have to sit there and explain myself to some of these rescue groups that are demanding, demanding care and yet they want all the favors. They want to drop off really early. They want to pick up super late at night. They have an adoption today, so they just want to come in the morning, pick up, and then they're mad that the dog wasn't um, cleaned yet. Well, guys, you came at six in the morning to pick up. Our crew is just getting in at six to do the cleaning and the overnight and, and changing their cages and taking the dogs for walks. So chill, chill a little bit. Make sure that you understand that we have businesses to run, and it's very important that you give a little bit as well. Having said that, I just fired a rescue group this week because of it just blew my mind. And I don't want to go into the details of the story, but mind you, there was like, are you joking? You're getting angry about something as picky uni as that. And with all the things that we've done for you and do for you and bend over backwards for you, guess what? You don't appreciate us, then you can go someplace else. And that's what's going to happen to you for any groups out there working with shelters. That is going to happen. And it's already happening. I know a number of my colleagues, one of my former uh, associates who started his own practice. We're still friendly. We play ball on Tuesday nights together. We talk. They're doing much less rescue work than they used to because of that. So if you're in the rescue world, give us a break. Understand where we're coming from. We're doing our best to help. And sometimes you just have to understand we do the best we can. So uh, as long as it's a two-way street and we both know where we're coming from and you are okay with having a surgery, you know, changed schedule, you know, put off for a day, a cancellation, something, then we're going to be in great shape. We're going to work together and have a wonderful relationship, which fortunately, the rescue groups that I've narrowed down to pretty much, except for the the one I just let go, uh, have achieved that status, that relationship. And it's a wonderful one to have. And it, it does. It makes us feel great. And when people come in and say, we referred by so-and-so, you know that it's working well and it's a great feeling. So anyway, with that, if you want to counterpoint this one, you know how to get a hold of me. It is Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. It is joining us here next week, next Sunday on our show live. And if you want to give me a different perspective, I would love to chat about it. So uh, this is a great forum to do so here on Pet Life Radio. So. Uh, it was great speaking with you. If you have any questions, uh, please, you can send them anytime to Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff at Pet Life Radio. You can also um, follow me on Instagram and send me uh, notes and chats on Instagram. I do check it daily, and we can uh, we can converse that way as well. And other than that, have a great week, everybody. Uh, avoid bunnies from La- in Las Vegas, wild rabbits. Avoid certain foods that might have pentobarbital. Those are canned foods by the Smucker's brand and Evangers, as they until they do some more testing. Um, and uh, hope you have a great week. We'll see you then. And uh, and remember, we wish everybody a happy birthday to Mark Winter, our producer. Yesterday, you can, you can wish him today a day belated. He'll love it anyway. All right. Have a great week, everybody. See you. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.